the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Five minutes after six o'clock, Jimmy Sangenberger in for Stefan Tubbs today. News Talk 710 KNUS. I'll also be in the saddle for Stefan on Wednesday. I believe Aaron Lapidus will be filling in tomorrow. And tomorrow morning, by the way, I'll be in for George Brockler from 6 to 10. News Talk 710 KNUS. I'll tee up what we've got on tap coming up in just a bit here on the program. I do want to just make one more comment. So you heard it in the news. We talked about it in the last segment. I talked about it earlier, too. M&M's has officially put the M&M's spokes candies on ice way back in the freezer. Replacing them with Maya Rudolph, at least for now, comedian Maya Rudolph. Do you think that she's a good pick to be the new spokesperson? I mean, I have nothing against Maya Rudolph, but I've never found her to be particularly funny or entertaining myself. I don't know. I I think there are some, some better options that could be in place as the spokes candy. I'm wondering, or spokesperson, to replace the spokes candies. I'm wondering, any ideas? They're welcome. Text them. On the 710 KNUS app, who would you rather have fill in at least or replace the spokes candies? And what about this? Is it just the stick for the Super Bowl? Getting ready for a new Super Bowl? That, oh, we're bringing back the spokes candies and here's their brand new look. We're no longer controversial. Or is it because they're fearful of the political blowback that they got? Good question. 303-696-1971 is our telephone number. So over the weekend, the mostly peaceful protests returned to Atlanta, Georgia. And 13 different people involved in domestic terrorism, as they have been charged with, have indeed been criminally charged in court. Now, I want to lead into this discussion with a couple of clips from Mayor Andre Dickens of Atlanta, who was on CBS Face the Nation yesterday morning and explained what was going on. Because this this is pretty intense. We're seeing a resurgence after a police officer shot and killed an activist. But... There's more to the story of who brought about the destruction, dare we say the violence, in downtown Atlanta over the weekend on Saturday. But here let's go to Mayor Dickens explaining exactly what happened in Atlanta. I want to get to all of you on a number of issues, but I I know something very uh, intense has just happened in Atlanta. Mayor Dickens, I watched a press conference you held last night following the death of a Georgia-based activist. It turned into a riot. This stems, as I understand it, from the shooting death of an activist. Um, 
and the body camera from the policeman who's believed to shoot this uh, individual doesn't exist. Um, what can you tell us in terms of who is behind the violence that happened yesterday? Yeah. Uh, earlier this week, an individual that was protesting in the woods, uh, a number of folks are in the woods trying to protest against the development of a public safety training center, which is for police and firefighters, a new state-of-the-art training center that's going to allow us to do 21st century policing, allow us to have an emergency vehicle obstacle course, and these things that police and fire will be able to work together to be able to uh, bring about you know safety in our community. And so we're building it, but some folks don't want to see anything built that supports police. So mm -hmm. they call it Cop City. And these individuals are in the woods protesting it. And unfortunately, they uh, were engaged by uh, Georgia State Patrol, asked them to be able to move out of the, the woods. An individual shot at the Georgia State Patrol and the Georgia State Patrol officer shot back. And unfortunately, uh, that individual was killed and the, and the patrol officer, the state patrol officer was shot in the abdomen. And so now uh, they had a, a, a protest last night uh, and it was peaceful. But there were some individuals within that crowd that meant violence. They had explosives. They burned down a police car. They broke windows at businesses. And so our police department, along with our state and federal partners, took swift action within two blocks and brought that situation under control. And the violence stopped. And those six individuals were arrested. And it should be noted that mm -hmm. these individuals were not Atlanta or Georgia residents. Most of them traveled into our city to wreak havoc. And so we love uh, to support people when they're doing right. Peaceful protest is a part of the American, uh, our freedoms. But mm -hmm. when you are violent, we will make sure that you get uh, held accountable. So, not, he, he said mostly peaceful. And you know what? There probably was, for a while, peaceful. And then you had agitators from, this is important, especially because they're very likely Antifa-type thugs. Domestic terrorists, if they have been charged with, allegedly domestic terrorists, formally charged. They come in from out of state. And we saw this during the mostly peaceful protests, the massive riots in the summer of hell 2020, where the worst agitators, the worst aggressors, the worst, dare we say, domestic terrorists were coming from out of state going into various cities. They were often bussed in to various cities. They do this. They bust them in, go do their damage, and then bust them out. In fact, in summer 2020, when the pro-police rally was attacked at downtown Denver, when we were there doing our thing, I was in the middle of a song playing harmonica with the band, and the next thing we know, we're swarmed by Antifa, Democratic Socialist of far-left factions that completely shut us down folks afterwards noticed that they were getting on buses after there was a bus people were getting on the bus afterwards <laughs> what that's what they do that is what they do and their purpose is to sow the seeds of destruction and not even just sow the seeds of destruction bring it completely about And then you go on to CNN, where they have this guy, I don't know who the heck he is, but his name is David Peisner. And he questioned whether or not these 13 now 
people who have been charged with domestic terrorism were actually engaging in violence. Maybe you haven't heard this before. Maybe you have, but let's roll the tape. I think that there's a real blurring of the lines in the use of the word violence. Is property destruction violence? Um, to some people, it certainly is. Um, but, you know, th- this idea that breaking windows or, or, or other acts of property destruction are the same as uh, actual violence against humans uh, is it, it, it's, it's kind of a dangerous and, and slippery concept. And uh, I mean, look, I, I don't think this is a, a smart move. Um, I don't think it's it's a, a productive move from from the standpoint of of the protesters. Um, but as the, as even the chief himself said, this is a small group. Um, this this isn't this is a, also within this defend the forest movement, um, there are no leaders. So people go off and do their own things. That doesn't just make them justifiable. But I, I do think that, you know, you keep using these words, violent, 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 violent. Um, and it, it gives the impression, I mean, the only violence that, that or, or the only acts of, of violence against people that I saw were, were actually police tackling protesters. Hmm. The host goes tackling protesters. That's the only violence that he saw. Just, you know, oh, that was the violence that they were engaged in. This idea that broken windows or other acts of property discussion is the same as violence against humans. Look, is there a bit of a difference between violence against humans and violence against property? Generally speaking, yes. But it's still violence. And in fact... If you light cars on fire, if you bring explosives, and that's what Mayor Dickens highlighted, that explosives were brought to Atlanta for purposes of violence, if you see that happen, that puts human lives at risk. Violence against property can result in direct violence against human beings. But violence, David Peisner, is violence. You think about what happens with the destruction of property and damage. Okay. You say, oh, well, this this is what they said in 2020. Insurance will cover it. That's what I was told when my car was stolen for the third time. Insurance will cover it. Guess what, folks? I'm getting a new vehicle. I got my car back. It was fine in terms of shape. But I want to get rid of it. And I had to pay a $1,000 deductible for the cleaning that needed to be done and all that. $1,000 I had to pull out. And they're never going to get whoever was responsible, let alone charge that person. How many people now you go on the next door and their cars are stolen or something is busted in their vehicle and they're a single mom who need their vehicle to go to work? Or to take their kids to school and they they don't have the money to get it repaired or because of the deductible, perhaps. Or they have a, a very crappy insurance, just very basic, and it doesn't do much for them. And that's just another example. But when you had businesses being destroyed across the country in Minnesota, and yes, I think I think there were some businesses that were destroyed or at least significantly damaged in downtown Denver. 
in decay. When you see what happened in Atlanta, you look at Raleigh. I mean, the the massive damage and destruction. Insurance doesn't necessarily cover that. And insurance isn't necessarily enough if it does cover some of it. Or imagine some of the sentimental things that get destroyed, etc. Part and parcel. People work their tails off to provide a living for their family, to build a business, to pay their employees. And we're supposed to just brush it off and say, oh, I don't think we can describe this as violence because it's not against human beings directly. Who the hell do you think you are, David Peisner? How many people have you met who have been victims of crime or destruction, etc.? Property is owned by people. The problem here, and this is the fundamental conceit of the likes of a David Beisner and others on the left who defend this, and he's far from the only one who over the past few years has defended this kind of violence, domestic terrorism, under the guise of, well, it's just property. The left doesn't believe in property rights fundamentally. The further left you get, they don't believe in property pro- property rights and private ownership of the means of production. So it's okay to destroy what somebody else owns because they shouldn't own it in the first place. It should be community-owned or owned by the government or whatever branch they have of socialist communism. And so, of course, they don't care and they're going to brush it. Oh, it's not violence. I don't think we should call it that. Well, I wonder what they would say if their iPad was taken away or their iPhone was taken away. Or for those who are in Antifa, who are trust fund babies, what if... What about the money that they're living off of from their parents? Oftentimes, the hypocrisy that you get. Speaking of hypocrisy on the left, here's Mayor Dickens. One more clip from yesterday. On the facts, yes. 7 to 13 people have been charged with domestic terrorism. Mm-hmm. Is this terrorism? Is this crime? What is this? Who's behind it? Yeah, I, I, I won't go as far as whatever uh, that representative said. But what I will say is that it is a crime. Uh, and that's why they've been charged with the crime and these crimes, domestic terrorism and the, and the crimes range from violence to domestic terrorism to assault and battery and some other things. Um, but yes, it is violent when someone turns to burn down a police car or break out windows or have explosives on them. I don't get into the names. I don't know all the organizations. I'll let y'all decide who did it. I just know they're arrested. And if they come into Atlanta again to wreak havoc, they will be arrested again. But do you believe your city is being targeted by organized groups? In that regard, yes. Um, those individuals that are uh, protesting against Cop City, as they mm-hmm. call it, it's really a public safety training center. Uh, they don't want to see uh, the very things that they ask for, more police training. We can't train uh, imaginary. We have to do it in a facility that allows for police, firefighters, and the community to train together. And so this is bringing about the change that we wanted to see in 2020. And now while we're doing it, these individuals don't want to see any resources go towards that uh, training. And so we're going to develop this training center and those individuals will have to come to it. He's pointing to the irony of this. The hypocrisy of it is the better word. They attacked, were protesting the construction and implementation of a police training center. They say they want more training for police, etc. So they comply. Oh, let's set up the center. They don't like it. They have environmental concerns or whatever. 
They do the protests. They do the riot. Because they don't want to have the training center that they wanted them to have. Huh. And then they go making excuses about the violence. Here's another piece. Then we'll get to Rusty in Denver before we take our break. Look at Alec Baldwin. I spent time talking about this on Saturday's show with Emily Miller, investigative journalist. Great conversation. If you missed it, it was in the second hour of the Jimmy Sangenberger show on Saturday. One of the big things that we are seeing is a failure to consider the actions of the individual. In fact, this ties in with the discussion that I had with uh, my friends Keith Nobles and Chris Cook on Saturday as well. There's an absence of what you might call moral agency, which is the individual's responsibility for their actions. Alec Baldwin denies that he ever even shot the gun when clearly FBI forensics shows it. Prosecutors have said it. He fired the gun. The trigger was pulled. He won't take responsibility for it. Keeps denying it. Keeps saying he wouldn't even be charged. It's the gun you see. The gun just did it. And that's what they want to do. They want to blame the gun for gun violence and then go after the gun and not focus on the responsibility of the individual. That doesn't mean they don't want to charge the individual, etc. Of course. But fundamentally, they're blaming the gun and saying the government needs to take political agency and replace the moral agency of the individual, that the government step in and take their actions in that regard. Well, here, they don't want to blame the, the, the left of the left does not want to blame the individuals who are responsible for this violence. They want to brush it off as though it's nothing. And that is fundamentally wrong. Rusty in Denver, you're on the Stefan Tub Show. Jimmy Sangenberger in for Stefan. Thank you. Hi, Jimmy. How are you? Good. Good to talk with you. What's on your mind, sir? Well, two questions. One, um, you know, a couple of years ago, the catchword was silence is violence. Right. And what in the hell is burning down a police car or burning down yeah. a villi- uh, uh, building? Great point. Not just silence is violence, but words could be violence now. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Stones may break my bones, but words, well, you know, whatever. But and then, and then the other question is, whoever the jokers are that are calling it, that are saying it's it's not violence. What if what if they came and burned down their neighborhood, right, or or their house, their car? Mm-hmm. Would they would they maybe view it a little differently? You know, I think there was some example in 2020 of somebody who had been brushing these things off and then suddenly found themselves the you know the victim of one of these kinds of crimes and didn't understand the irony. I think Cory Bush might have been the one in St. Louis, but I'm not sure. But, but yeah, I mean, it's just, I don't, God, they just are changing the definitions of words and, and twisting them to suit their, their own ideology. You I know, mean, it, it, what is, ridiculous. what do you think, if you were to try and extrapolate, destruction of property isn't violence, but silence is violence, certain words are violence, and if you attack other people directly, then that's violence. How do you define violence? The Teutonomy is silence is destruction of property. Right. (laughs) How do you define violence? I I think it's it's the act. In their mind. In their mind. Yeah, the act of of destroying something 
Um, regardless, of, regardless of what it's aimed <laughs> aimed at, you can be violent towards your dog. Well, okay, so um, so I that mean, is you, the real definition of violence, Rusty. What I'm asking is, what do you think if you were to extrapolate from their perspective? Some sort of coherent definition of violence. Is it just violence is what we oh, say is violence? Well, no, I think it's fairly easy. I don't agree with it, but it's it's uh, violence. Against, it's, it's when force is used by a person to subdue or damage or injure another person. That's violence. And that includes emotionally. To them. To them. Right. To them. And it includes uh, emotions. Yeah, I don't know. Well, those are the people who say that certain words are violent. Absolutely. They will say that if you use microaggressions, that's violence. You often do hear that nowadays. You know, so that's an injury that qualifies as violence against a person, I would guess. Hey, listen, I love talking to you, but i got to go. I'm at Mustard's Last Stand, and you my know, hot dog's ready. I, <laughs> I, I love it. I love it, Rusty. Thank you for the call. Enjoy your nice hot dog right, calling into the show, 303-696-1971. I love it. <laughs> got to go. My hot dog's ready. Enjoy that. I could go for a good hot dog right about now. I don't know. 303-696-1971. Let's run to the break. I'm Jimmy Sangenberger in for Stefan Tubbs. You're listening to Denver's local talk leader, Newstalk 710-KNUS. You know what I love most about this fun Charlie Daniels tune from the great Southern rock legend? As we continue, Jimmy Sangenberger in for Stefan Tubbs is how he just lists off all these different southern rock bands. The South's going to do it. You know what? As he listens to all these southern rock bands or lists them out, you got to say it works perfectly for a Music Monday themed around southern rock good to be with you jimmy in for stefan right here news talk 710 knus what a fun tune and may you rest in peace with charlie daniels there's a piece from christopher trimogli who's a commentary writer at the washington examiner why haven't democrats criticized the insurrectionists in atlanta and he concludes the following All political violence is wrong, and anyone who commits it, regardless of political ideology or affiliation, should face accountability and punitive action. However, Democrats only want justice when the perpetrators do not align with their agenda or beliefs. They're frauds and phonies, and their failure to provide any meaningful scolding regarding the violence in Atlanta is just another example. Although I do have to say, one Democrat has been very strong on this, and that's Mayor Andre Dickens of Atlanta. Credit to him for being very strong and forthright on what is happening to his city, what took place over the weekend. But Christopher Shemogli continues, no one should expect... Democrats to condemn Antifa because their horrific acts align with their Democrat agenda. 
They don't care if the rules are broken just so long as their political party reaps the social benefit. Sooner rather than later, the country must start denouncing the Democrats for their shenanigans. The public must embrace common sense instead of the leftist extremism that dominates our country's culture. Democrats are the party of radical destruction and fanaticism. Their antics must be stopped. They are the biggest threat to our constitutional republic. Now, that's very hardline, strong opinion that he's got. Look, I, I think that the reason why they haven't condemned the violence, and this goes back to 2020, is because they're afraid. More than it suits some sort of agenda that they have. I'm not sure that the violent aspects of this actually does suit the agenda of most Democrat leaders. What I think is the case is that they are fearful of it. It's like the very same people, the Democrats who tell me that they are afraid to speak out against Tay Anderson, but they're happy that I do it or happy that Stefan does it. Because we're willing to go against Tay Anderson and they're afraid of the fallout. They're afraid of the consequences. They don't want to be maligned as racist. They don't want to be attacked and viciously so as racist because Tay Anderson, the Denver Public Schools board member, Colorado's biggest racist, as Stefan calls it, because Tay is very good at that. I think it's similar here. They're afraid of what would happen if they actually criticized the likes of Antifa. If they actually called out this kind of extremism, that's how you end up with something like this. I think that there's a real blurring of the lines in the use of the word violence. Is property destruction violence? Um, To some people, it certainly is. Um, But, you know, this idea that breaking windows or, or, or other acts of property destruction are the same as uh, actual violence against humans uh, is, is, is it's kind of a dangerous and, and slippery concept. So I actually wouldn't put Peisner's ludicrous comments in the same grouping as a broader Democrats who are afraid to criticize Antifa. That guy seems to be an ideologue who's totally in on the idea that, you know what, ah, this isn't really violence. It's okay. It's tolerable. And it's not the same category as attacking human beings, so ah, we should brush it off. Come on, man. But I do think there are a lot of Democrats who are more fearful of what would happen if they criticized what labels they would be given. And that, to me, is the driving concern. What do you think? 303-696-1971 is our telephone number. Is the driving concern for these Democrats who refuse to speak out against far-left violence, is that fear of what kind of blowback they would get? Or do they agree with it? Does it directly suit and advance their agenda? I think it's the former. Perhaps you think it is the latter. But needless to say, 13 different individuals have been charged with felonies for what they did over the weekend in Atlanta, and that includes domestic terrorism charges. And we will see what happens. But another interesting little twist. 
the one of the leading Democrats in the U.S. House, their whip, Catherine Clark, Catherine Clark's daughter, was arrested on Saturday evening for allegedly spray painting a monument and assaulting a police officer during a protest. Okay, there you go. What's going on here? I love Riley. And this is a very difficult time in the cycle of joy and pain in parenting, Clark tweeted. This will be evaluated by the legal system, and I am confident in that process. Riley Dowell, 23, was arrested and charged with assault with a dangerous weapon, destruction or injury of personal property, and damage of property by graffiti. The Boston Police Department referred to the suspect as Jared Dowell. Clark had spoken in the past about how one of her children is non-binary. Officers were called to the Parkman Bandstand Monument in the in the Boston Common around 9.30 p.m. on Saturday evening about a protest. When they arrived, they saw Dowell allegedly spray painting ACAP, which stands for All, Caps, All Cops Are Bastards, and No Cop City, an apparent reference to a police training center facility in the suburbs of Atlanta, that had sparked protests after officers shot and killed a protester who allegedly opened fire on them, injuring one earlier this week. This is according, by the way, to foxnews.com. And a group of 20 protesters began to surround officers while screaming profanities through megaphones on the public street, causing traffic to come to a standstill, according to police. And these protesters were interfering with the arrest. The officer was hit in the face, could be seen bleeding from the nose and the mouth. So let's be clear about something. What the initial violence was, was property vandalism and destruction in Boston. What seems to be sort of a sympathy protest from Atlanta. And a police officer ends up getting hurt because that is what can happen when you have violence against property. Is people can and do get hurt hurt but it is notable that it was one of the leading members of the house who has a child who did this and does make you wonder a little bit about the dynamics of what the congresswoman believes and what her child believes now there could be big differences you can't you can't say that oh well it was her daughter, so she agrees with her daughter. But it, it does make you wonder about why the likes of a Catherine Clark, congresswoman, won't speak up and speak out against Antifa violence and be unequivocal and say, this is wrong, this is unacceptable, all of this is. Whether it's my child or anybody else's, you don't see it. But I digress. 303-696-1971 is our telephone number. If you want to get in in the conversation as we head into the final segment of the show coming up, I'll also tease what we've got in store tomorrow morning, 6 to 10, when I fill in for George Brockler in the morning right here as we continue on Denver's local talk leader, Jimmy Sangenberger, in for Stefan Tubbs, News Talk 710 KNUS. Rocking and rolling back. Jimmy Sangenberger in for Stefan Tubbs. Music Monday with a Southern rock theme today. Another song where they're singing about other bands. 
And you got to just love it with Molly Hatchet now. You know that there's like a a close-knit community, a, a sense that they were part of a unified genre. When you had multiple musicians, last segment we had bump in of Charlie Daniels, South's going to do it again. Then he got Gator Country for Molly Hatchet, where they're singing about other bands within their genre. It's, it's a fun sense of community that you don't get beyond, say, Southern rock and blues. You know, they're a little bit more of a community feel to some of those genres as we continue. Gotta love it. How much fun is music and can music be? Good to be with you. Jimmy Sangenberger in for Stefan Tubbs. Back on Wednesday, 4 to 7 in for Stefan. Tomorrow morning, I'll also be filling in for George Brockler right here on Newstalk 710 KNUS from 6 until 10. We'll be joined by three women guests throughout the show. Rashini Rajkumar is communications and crisis coach, and I want to get her take, expert opinion, expert perspective on what's happening with the Biden classified documents from the perspective of the public relations, the communications aspect of the crisis situation, and also this ridiculous thing we talked about earlier about M&M's. What what is Mars getting at here? What's the PR look for Mars candies with this? With M&M's replacing its spokes candies, putting them on ice in the freezer. We'll just get some interesting perspective. Rashini's one of my favorite guests, one of the great guests that I've interviewed over the years. And I'm looking forward to having her on about both of those topics fascinating and insightful perspectives to be had. Uh, Danielle Jarinski, I know she was on Stefan's show on Friday. I'll have Danielle, the Aurora City Councilwoman at large, on to talk about two things. One, the big $3 million award that she had been uh, had been ruled in her favor in the civil lawsuit against Robin Nissetta, the corrupt, now former Arapahoe Child Protective Services worker who was the girlfriend at the time for Aurora Police Chief Vanessa Wilson. We'll talk about that, but we'll also talk about the reaction of a Democratic Socialist candidate for Aurora City Council to that story. It's absolutely mind-blowing and disgusting. Danielle will offer perspective on that. I know we'll also check in, by the way, with George Brockler as well, and... We'll be joined by Danielle DiMartino Booth. We talked a bit about the Federal Reserve earlier, particularly during our segment with David Fisher of LandmarkGold.com. Danielle DiMartino Booth is a CEO and chief strategist for Quill Intelligence, LLC, but she worked for nine years at the Federal Reserve Bank of Dallas as advisor to then-President Richard W. Fisher, including through the financial crisis until his retirement in 2015. So she's going to offer expert perspective on what is actually going on with the Federal Reserve and and the implications of that. So Roshini Rajkumar, Danielle Jarinsky, and Danielle DiMartino Booth, both all three of them joining me tomorrow. When I'm in for Stefan Tubbs, 
right here on 710 KNUS, Denver's local talk leader. And, of course, we will take your calls, talk about other topics of the day and more. There's no shortage of things to dive into these days. And, of course, be sure to tune in every Saturday morning to the Jimmy Sangenberger Show, 6 to 9, for engaging, intelligent talk, saying style, as well as, yeah, I'll say it, the best bumper music known to man that you will find anywhere. We have a lot of fun with that on my program every single Saturday, and I'm looking forward to what we've got in store. I uh, do want to wrap up, and maybe I'll get to talk about this um, in the next couple of days, but this was interesting. There was a leak about some of the strategies that Trump is planning to execute against Ron DeSantis. If indeed DeSantis decides to run for president. And that includes going after him over Social Security and the idea that Ron DeSantis wants to cut Social Security. But that's never been a very strong suit for Trump to go after an opponent on policy so much as more culture war issues and that kind of thing. And Ron DeSantis checks those boxes very, very well. And in fact, DeSantis has the ability to make the argument. You kept Fauci. You didn't fire Fauci. I would have fired Fauci, he could say. Or DeSantis could say, you locked down America. I made sure that Florida didn't stay locked down. I opened us back up. There are different arguments that DeSantis could throw against Trump that might land better than, oh, well, Trump want, uh, DeSantis wants to cut your Social Security, particularly in a Republican primary. It's just interesting to see some of these arguments that apparently are going to be leveled from Trump, and there are others. They're going to try, and this is according to Rolling Stone, they're going to try and paint DeSantis as the establishment figure, the one who is preferred by the supposedly squishy party bigwigs like Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell. And yet, Donald Trump is the former president of the United States. He's the titular head of the Republican Party. The Republican National Committee, until he announced his run for president, was paying his legal bills. It's kind of hard for Donald Trump to say, well, DeSantis is the establishment guy, not me. I don't know that that establishment argument's going to work for Trump <clears throat> against a guy like DeSantis. There are others who it could work against, but a guy like DeSantis, probably not. I, I don't know. We'll see how the playbook of Trump against DeSantis will play out if indeed they both are running for president. If you do have a Don versus Ron matchup. Well, that is it for me today. I believe Aaron Lapides will be filling in for Stefan tomorrow afternoon, and I'll be back in 4 to 7 on Wednesday. Be sure to tune in dark and early tomorrow morning, 6 a.m., when I'm back in the saddle for George Brockler. Have a great evening. Stay warm out there, and may God bless America. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.